Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line on a Thursday night, no less, is Ethan Sachs. Is this the first time we'd ever recorded on a weekday? I think we may have done this like once before, but for the same reason, I'm I'm going on a, a little excursion out of town this weekend, and I didn't want to rely on random Airbnb internet to record, so I just decided, hey, let's let's get this done, and that also gives me let's it be an actual vacation for me this weekend rather than having to worry about prepping for the show and then doing the show when we record usually on Sunday morning. So thank you, Ben. I appreciate you uh, you doing this a little early for me. Yeah, this is going to be a blast. I'm like all jazzed, energized, I'm awake, I've taught all day. I'm good to go. That's so funny. I feel the opposite. I'm like, I'm kind of tired at doing this at the end of the day. <laughs> I much, much prefer to get this as like, hey, this is the first thing I'm doing. But I, I am really excited for this episode. And I'm just really excited to talk about Kaldheim with you. I feel like after talking about Boros last week, things have really opened up for me. I was not drafting white very much before we talked on Sunday. And now I feel like every draft, every other draft, I'm base white. It's always open and it always comes together, I think is the nicest thing about white. And, you know, we were talking about this before the show a little bit. You know, we always talk about this idea of drafting decks, not cards. And I think snow, you're kind of drafting really powerful cards and hoping that you get a functional deck at the end of it. And when you're drafting white or the red, white aggro decks or the streamlined two color decks, you're much more drafting the deck. And it's much more likely, I think, to end up in a good result than starting down a snowpath. Well, because the the decks exist at common so consistently in red, white, and I would even throw black in the mix, even though I think black is shallow. I think it's underdrafted enough, or at least the times when it's you can identify it as being underdrafted, you can get uh, functional cards from it. But But green mostly and snow have felt like, well, it exists at common in the lands, but the lands aren't guaranteed. And I don't know how highly people are taking the payoffs. And I also don't know if I'm going to get past the bombs if I invest so much in fixing. Like, there's a lot that has to go right that like three weeks ago, it felt like this is coming together every other draft or every draft for me. But now it just feels like I don't know what people are doing at the table and I'm scared to move into snow. Yeah, it's hard out there if you're drafting snow. I think now is not the time to be assuming you are going to end up snow. Yeah, yeah. I have. I was just looking at my 17 lands draft log and I've you know, in my past, I don't know, 15, 20 drafts, they're mostly two color decks, either base red or white, or sometimes both. And then like two of them were multicolor decks. And that's because I'm just like being hit over the head with this is what you get to do this draft. And so I move in, but I'm, I'm pretty hesitant these days. And that's sort of what we're going to be talking about here in this episode this week is avoiding the iceberg, trying to not train wreck in this format, Ben, which I think a lot of people are finding difficulty in navigating these drafts. Yeah, there's a lot of things that come together, right? There's a lot of cards that are very powerful, but are able to be splashed pretty easily because of the duels and cards like Glittering Frost and things of that nature. And there's a lot of cards, you know, that go in giants, like let's say squash that can be played a lot of places because of changelings. So a lot of the most powerful cards are very contested. There's not a lot of archetypes that let you get 
the good cards for your archetype late. Like, you know, for example, in Zendikar Rising, if you figured out that Wizards was open, you were going to wield the Umara Mystics. That's not the case for Giants. The snow deck is going to be poaching your Agar, <laughs> the Frozen Flame, or whatever the card's called. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that, that like, yeah, you don't get to to have that lane and then re- reward yourself by saying, hey, I get to take Demon Bolt here and I know Spell is going to wheel. It's like, no chance in heck is Spell going to wheel for you. No chance is Agar going to wheel. Yep, except that one random pod where just nobody wants to draft Snow. That's right, that's right, yeah. Um, all right, so we've got a lot of stuff outlined here, a lot of drafts we're going to look at to try and talk about how we're avoiding train wrecks or perhaps where we have train wrecked before and have learned from our mistakes. But before we get into that, some housekeeping stuff. First things first is the Patreon page, patreon.com slash Limited, where you can go to give back to the show if you so choose everybody gets access to the lords of limited discord that is the place to be i think some folks are are starting to try and figure out ways to practice sealed we talked about last week someone uh, prepping this whole sealed spreadsheet from a bunch of day two arena open pools but i you know there's no way to practice sealed right now on arena in preparation for the the mcq in a couple weeks so i think some folks are figuring that out there's just a lot of awesome stuff happening in the discord obviously the like what's the build what's the play stuff if you are excited about time spiral remastered we've got a a lot of folks pouring over those spoilers prepping for that coming uh to paper or magic online um so a lot of really cool stuff happening in the discord a lot of good stuff happening over on the patreon page in general depending on what tier you want to give back to and this week we are welcoming to the fold some new patrons so we want to welcome sean matthew and Raphael. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough and cannot say enough good things about the Discord. I will say on the subject of Time Spiral remastered previews, I don't know when it happened, but I think I've started to care a lot about MTG art. Like those old frames look so good. I was afraid that that was what you were going to (laughs) say. I've gone to the dark side. Yeah, you've gone to the dark side. The the dark bordered side, if you will. Ah, Yeah. yeah. So in addition to the Patreon, the show is now brought to you by Channel Fireball, channelfireball.com, best place to go for anything and everything you need magic related. CFB Pro is happening over there. You can subscribe for $4.99 a month or $9.99 and get that amount back in store credit. I'm writing articles. You're writing articles. Alex is putting out articles. There's pros that put out limited articles on CFB Pro. And, you know, we're making videos. That content is on the free side. There's been a lot of discussion lately, I think, with the Arena Open. You know, we talked about it a little bit. I just got finished listening to Limited Resources today. And people are talking about voting with their dollar bills. And I do think, you know, we did that with the Arena Open. And I think Channel Fireball is consistently one of the best places to support limited and limited content. And I think if you appreciate that sort of stuff, you should try to... You know, if you're shopping online, shop at Channel Fireball and, you know, get on CFB Pro. If you want that content, putting that money into CFB Pro allows Channel Fireball to invest in more limited content. And we really, really appreciate that on their part. And we want to send you their way. So if you do anything over there, please use code LOL, all caps, to let them know that we sent you over there and go check them out. Preach, Ben. Look at that. There was none of that in our show notes. That was all off the top. That was just hard on the sleeve. Ben Warney right there. Boom. Yeah, love it. All right. So like I said, we got a lot of draft log and draft log adjacent stuff to look at. So the first thing I wanted to look at was this round table here, where I think we're going to have some good fodder for discussion to lead us into how to avoid train wrecking in Kaldheim. So Ben, are you ready to take a seat? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. So uh, as with all these, the pack one pick one data is going to be missing uh, due to the arena draft logs interface with 17 lands. Uh, but I don't think there's any uncommons or commons that I would take over Resplendent Marshall, which is the one white, white, three, three flying myth. When it ETBs or dies, you may exile another creature card from your graveyard. When you do, put a plus and plus one counter on each creature you control other than Resplendent Marshall that shares a creature type with the exiled card. I'm going to derail us a little bit here. Yeah. I think Clarion Spirit 
is maybe the best uncommon to pack one pick one and i think it is better than resplendent marshall that is some spicy meatball hot takes there i am not i I like we're gonna get into my aversion to green and snow but i am still i think i'm still taking basalt ravager svella don't know about the blue cards i don't know about collar or glimpse Actually, it might be Collar. I think I would also pack one, pick one Collar over Resplendent Marshall. There are some uncommons I would take over this card. It's good, but it a lot of things have to happen for it to be busted. Mostly, I think it's a three mana, three, three flyer that maybe brings in a counter or two with it. Yeah, that's fair. I think it's early enough that you can, you know, try and slant your picks in such a way to maximize this card. But I agree. Maybe, maybe there's, you know, there are a handful of cards. I maybe misspoke earlier, but yeah. So we snap up the Resplendent Marshall here. Uh, pack one, pick two. Snow Island in the pack. Commons, not really anything great. The white cards, Iron Verdict or Master Scald. There's a Masked Vandal. You know, shapeshifters are good with the Resplendent Marshal. Uh, the Uncommons, there's Notfold, Slumbermound, the Red Green, Spell Land, Rune of Might, the Green Rune, and Elven Bow, the uh, Green Living Weapon Equipment. Yeah, I think the Uncommons here are better than all of the Commons, especially since there's not a great white follow-up. So I think we're branching out into another color here. So we're just trying to identify literally what the best card in the pack is. I think it comes down to Elven Bow and Rune of Might. And for me, I think Elven Bow is a little bit higher of a ceiling than Rune of Might. Yeah, my thought, I, I ended up taking the Rune of Might. I think Elven Bow is the better card, pack one, pick one. But my thought was Rune of Might, I think, is better in white-green. And I think also plays a sort of like quote unquote, colorless role in a white red deck. If you end up with some picks or a crown, whatever, you can then put the Rune of Might into that deck. So I was thinking of it as like maybe less powerful, but more flexible. Yeah, I'd buy all that. Pack one, pick three. Well, uh, not a lot of commons to speak of. Moving on to the uncommons, there is a path to the world tree, which I'm much lower on now because I think getting five colors together is tough. But there's also pick three and Egar the Freezing Flame, the one blue red 3-3 giant wizard. Whenever a creature planeswalker and opponent controls is dealt excess damage. If a giant wizard or spell you control dealt damage to it this turn, draw a card. I just finished writing my article on blue red giants for CFB Pro. Hashtag ad. Nice. Check it out. And this card is absurd. I mm-hmm. think it is the single best card you can have for a blue red giants deck, counting all of the rares and all the mythics. Once you're in giants, you want Agar more than you want anything else. It enables so much stupid stuff. I think also like people don't quite get how it works. Like they'll attack their three threes into your four fours sometimes. You can like double block stuff and get that excess damage no matter what. It it really fuels that deck in a major way. Yeah, you want two demon bolts, two squashes to be maximizing it, but you really probably shouldn't be giants if you're not seeing squashes. That's fair. Yeah, I think so. So s- snapped up the blue red giant wizard legendary creature here moving on to pack one pick four snow forest still in the pack but i'm not going to be tricked by that these days ben what else we got we got a battlefield raptor in white that's probably also the best common here and then an uncommon uh lityara mirror lake the blue green spell land and a giant's amulet still in the pack yeah there's several things going on here i think lityara mirror lake we should talk about just in general is a super powerful card and i think it's actually reads five mana tap sack it copy target ravenous lindworm because that's the mode where it's most frequently used or seraph's packmate get yourself a little 4-4 packmate draw card yeah that's good and there's the spice that you can do with shepherd of the cosmos i still haven't lived that dream and i, I don't know if i ever will given how contested i feel like blue and green are these days yeah so i think the best card is actually the jar mirror lake but we're a little all over the place and after taking agar i think giant's amulet feels like a great follow-up but i think i want to dive a little deeper into talking about you know not getting baited by the snow forest here right because there's a point in time when we would have been 
pretty interested in Snowlands early. Mm-hmm. And it just feels so contested that I don't want to go into snow unless I have a really, really, really good reason to do so. Like there's no taking Snowlands without a snow payoff and assuming that the snow payoffs are going to come for me anymore. No, not at all. Yeah. And I think it takes something a bit more like I think earlier even I would say like, hey, even if it's a good card in Sultai, like a Seekers Chariot, then I'd be like, all right, I take that and I'm just going to snap up Snowlands and figure out the rest later. No, no, no. Like it needs to be like blood on the snow levels of snow payoff, exclamation mark, exclamation mark for me to then go, I'm down to to fight with other people at the table near me for Snowlands because otherwise I just don't want to do it. And I feel like we're, we're sort of spoiling what we're going to talk about later, but it just feels so impossible to know like how the other seven people at your table who some of them may want to draft snow or be drafting snow. Are they taking lands first and then payoffs? Are they taking payoffs first and then lands? Where do they rank the common stuff against that? Like, are they expecting to wheel priests or are they hoping to snap those up early and wheel the lands? Like, there's just too many variables that weren't there a few weeks ago when people just weren't doing snow stuff, I guess. <laughs> that it just feels so scary. And I would just much rather not fight for that and just be like, look, maybe I'm going to get a worse deck on average, but the functionality of that deck is always going to be there whereas there's such a high fail case for those snow decks yeah i think that's absolutely true and even something like avalanche collar you pick that pack one pick one you're not locking in snow you're hoping to pick up blue snow lands to play avalanche collar wherever you end up at least that's my approach these days right and that's sort of why i feel like so green is is just sort of on my my you know naughty list or whatever i'm not interested in green these days and i sort of lump blue into there as well because of like Bergstrider, Avalanche Caller, Icebind Pillar are like the best things blue can do outside of Giants, I feel like. And even in Giants, you're like, well, I have Bergstriders and so then I have to vote some picks to Snowlands and I don't know where I'm going to be able to do that because I feel like they're disappearing faster and faster. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. So long story short, derailing us, pack one, pick four. I think you're on Giants Amulet here to pair up with your Agar. Yeah, and, and I think like, you know, you could say like, well, I want to take Raptor to go with Marshall. I think Agar might just be better than Marshall, maybe, and now that we're talking oh, about Oh, yeah, I think 100%. Yeah, Uncommon's better than this Mythic. Um, but the fact that we got Agar third and now Amulet fourth, like I'm much more likely to, I mean, I also think the power level gap between Amulet and Raptor is large enough. I'm also much more likely to cling to the card I saw third than the card I picked first. Yes, I agree. All right, so we take the Amulet there, and now... Stuff gets a little dicey then. Pack one, pick five. This pack is all over the place. So uh, the only white cards are God's Hall Guardian and Master Scald. The red cards are Fearless Pup and Tormentor's Helm. The blue card is a null. <laughs> the green <laughs> cards are Elderleaf Mentor and Skemfar Elderhall is the green-black spell land. And the best card in the pack is Draugr's Helm, the, the black living weapon equipment. But that's like black-black essentially because the the like kicker cost is two and a black and so is that going to be our first black card a double black card and now our fifth color in five picks yeah i think there's a lot going on here to unpack so Snowland is missing right and i think at this point we're just ruling out snow i am hoping very much to not end up snow with the start of this draft we have no snow payoff and a Snowland's missing here whoa 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 there's a faceless haven at rare ben yeah it's fantastic everyone tells me i should pick it no okay standard maybe <laughs> yeah 60 card decks. Sure, sure, sure. So I think right now we're all over the map enough and there's no good cards here that I think I just want to take the best card in the pack, which is Draugr's Helm. 
Yeah, I think that is defensible. I am a little wary still. Like I like black, I think, more than most people. I'm a little wary still of taking a lot of black cards early. Like I really want to make sure black is open or that I've got a bomb. And and Draugr's Helm is quite powerful, don't get me wrong. But I was sort of still feeling like, well, I could end up in white red with this rune, with like Resplendent Marshall red and then Rune of Might on, on some equipment. Or it could still just be blue red. And towing the line there. Now, not that Tormentor's Helm is very good in blue-red, but it's playable. Uh, so I, I took the helm here as that, like, okay, I'm going to try and narrow in on something here rather than take the Draugr's Helm. Um, but I'm definitely taking a hit in power level in the choice between these two helms. Sure, yeah. And I think my thought process in the Draugr's Helm is that we're all over the map. And I think Tormentor's Helm narrows you a little bit, like you're hoping to be white-red, red-blue. With Draugr's Helm, I feel fine going any which way. And I think, you know, looking to the next pack to give me some direction because there's not much to take away from this pack, right? Other than the Draugr's Helm is the best card. You're not getting signals here. No, not at all. I I guess. And I'm also just like more comfortable taking in those spots, taking red or white cards, because I feel like at the very least, like this has a likelihood of making my deck given how I'm drafting these days. Yeah, no, that's fair. So seems like a train wreck, right? Like in your example, you have five cards, five different colors, but we're we're trying to feel stuff out. We're not getting baited by snow. In in my version of the draft, the next next couple picks go Gold Vein pick, Immersturm Raider, Gold Vein pick, and then a Horizon Seeker, and then Wheeling Notvold Slumber Mound, which sort of gives me a huh, maybe I go red green, I don't know, which gets solidified by a pack two pick one Svela into a non-snow deck that ends up being a weird green red ramp deck with triple not bold slumber mound and luckily a Vorinclex at the top end that we get in pack 3. Ooh, nice. But uh but a super weird draft, you know, ended up abandoning a lot of our early powerful stuff in Marshall and Agar and Giant's Amulet and I think sometimes you you got to do that. I I'm not I'm much less willing to like hold on for dear life for a lot of stuff in this format anymore. Right. And I think we both end up in the same place. We both end up in red green. I think wheeling the slumber mound and opening that Svela puts you into red green, but worth noting that there's multiple ways to stay open. And in this case, we stayed open by, you know, bobbing and weaving quite a lot and giving ourselves options before locking in on a lane. Yeah. Which I think is is one of the ways you can navigate drafts. You know, we talked about draft blueprints about I don't know, a month ago, two two months ago, which I think is a really good episode if you're feeling like unsettled about how call time drafts are going. And I, again, I, call time I think is unique in this like very flat power level thing, and especially coming off the heels of Zendikar Rising, where like you talked about, like if you identify that open two color lane or that open tribal lane, you are very easily going to be wheeling good cards for your deck. You can sort of peg, take this uniquely powerful card and take this powerful card for my specific archetype. And that just that just doesn't happen here very much. And I think we're going to talk about how we can avoid getting messed with in the draft in those instances. Yeah, so let's do it. Why wait? Okay, so how to avoid the iceberg in call time. First things first, I, I cannot stress this enough. I think you really want to get out of pack one as deep in one color as you can. If you think about the like arc of power of a pack of magic cards or of a pack of of or of, of the first 15 picks of a draft the overall power of the cards you have the opportunity to draft gets lower and lower right and the more that happens the more likely you're going to want to make tiebreakers or even slight hits in power to get out of pack 1 deep in one color so if by pick 6 four of my picks are one color i'm so much more incentivized to just take cards of that color 
than to go, oh, but this C is a little bit better than this C in a different color. And so I'm going to take this as my first white card, even though there's a red card here for me to take. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And, you know, speaking of the iceberg with Snowlands, if you're ending pack one with like three playables and six Snowlands and not a great plan, that makes me a little nervous these days with how contested snow is. Well, and the other thing that the Snowlands do is let's say... You know, it, it's ideal if they're base green, but let's say like three of them are black or, or cover black. You've got like a white black snow duel and a black green snow duel and then just a snow swamp. You're so incentivized to be black as your second color if you want to be base green snow or whatever without having actually any good black cards or knowing that black is open for your seat, which can lead you to a, a messy draft. Yes, I think that's another byproduct of taking Snowlands early, regardless of color. I'm a lot choosier about the Snowlands I pick these days, because if you end up with five Snowlands and they don't have a lot of overlapping colors, I think the four or five color snow pile just comes together so much less today than it did two weeks ago. Yeah. I also think there's an important thing, and I talk about this a lot in coaching sessions, like right before pack two, I think it's important to remind yourself that you're not committed to whatever you think your second color is yet. If you've drafted in this appropriate way, like if you've got six blue cards and two red cards, especially if those two red cards come to you late, as they often do, and they often might be good, like you get a pick seven Firewalker and then a pick 10 Craven Hulk or something, it's easy to go, oh, I'm blue red, which I think you want to just make that mental shift, be like, I can still be open to whatever... I mean, maybe not green if we're avoiding green as we're talking about, but some sort of black bomb or white bomb that you see in pack two. Yeah, I think that's a totally valid point. Where do you think train wrecks happen the most? Or where do you think like that point of no return is in drafts the most where people feel like, ah, this is going off the rails. How do I save it? Oh, you talked too much. I had a great my stream twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome lined up. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it really is. At the end, like pick six through 10 in pack one, if you're really not doing what you're talking about, trying to solidify yourself into either a color pair, in which case you're just kind of locked in for the rest of the draft or getting yourself deep into one color. A lot of times for me, it's when I shift in pack two in this format for another very powerful card. Like, let's say I've been on track to do, I don't know, green, white, and then I move into red let's say, in pack two because I opened some good red card like Bergy. There's definite tension in this format with, I think, moving into something that you saw in pack two that you read wasn't open in pack one. Mm -hmm. I've started trying to trust my gut in pack one a lot more, which isn't helpful advice much <laughs> for the podcast, but we were talking about that too. Like, how do we codify you know, all of this stuff to help people avoid train wrecks? And for me, it really is listening to that voice in my head that says, I don't feel like this is open or I do feel like this is kind of open and just trusting that voice because I've done enough drafts now that I think that voice is generally right. Yeah, that gut check, if you can have it, I think is super important, especially in this format. I found myself relying on that as well. I, I think the other thing that can happen, you know, the inverse of that idea of not committing to a second color, just try and escape pack one deep in one color if you can, is you can also train wreck if you're not committing enough. You know, the draft that we just looked at could have been a train wreck, you know, just, just like, I'm all over the place. It's pick six. I have five different colors. What the heck am I supposed to do? And you freak out and you don't try and find this escape route, which is sort of what we talked about last week with Boros, why that's so good, why red and white provide that in, in such a, a, an abundant amount. Um, but if you try and, and bob and weave too much and then don't try and hone in at the end of pack one or beginning of pack two, that's when a train wreck can also happen. Yeah, I think that's totally valid. And there's lots of good off ramps, right? It's still okay to start drafting snow. 
But you need to know if your first picks go, you know, Avalanche Caller into Spirit of the Alder Guard into, you know, four packs in a row with Snowlands missing, that it's probably not going to happen for you. And you need to be looking into, okay, what can I do? Can I go green, black elves? Can I go blue, red giants? Can I go green, blue, non-snow? Which I think is a totally viable deck. If you're, you know, ramping into large monsters like ravenous Lindworms and you've got the struggles for Skemfars, that can be a thing that you do. Yeah, and the days of, okay, that's fine. I'll just pick up the Snowlands from my left in pack two. Those days are gone. Like, I don't know what people are doing at the table, but like Snowlands are missing left and right. And I don't think you can rely on that. I don't want, I don't think you want to, to have that strategy of, all right, well, I'll just keep taking the payoffs or whatever. I'll hold on to blue, green, snow and rely on getting the lands in pack two. I would not do that. Well, you can, I think, but it's just risky. Like sometimes it's going to work and sometimes it's not. If you're really trying to avoid the iceberg, you should not do that. That's what I think too. Yeah. Um, I think another thing that gets people into iceberg dead ahead territory is when in doubt, you want to make picks that will improve the quality of the cards you already have rather than restrict the picks that you have to make in the future. This idea of like picks that that narrow the decisions that you have to make in the future versus picks that that broaden the decisions you can make in the future. I think like rootless you without anything to search for in the middle of pack two, sure, like you can end up with a lindworm that will be fine, but that's a Lindworm pick you have to make in the future. You're going to be forced to make in the future when maybe you don't want to. Maybe you have to take a Snowland there. Maybe you have to take a removal spell there. So th- th- that's a way you can restrict your picks. Lindworms are a hot commodity these days. Where, where are you at? Well, let's just talk about Lindworm for a second because people are hot and bothered about Lindworm and I get it. I'm not drafting green though, so I, I don't really get it in my decks that much. But I also like, it's just hard for me to take a six drop over something cheaper. Oh, I'm on Team Lindworm, baby. I mean, this is not shocking because I love Tunny Mammoth, but I think Lindworm stock for me started out like I liked the card, thought it would could be fine, you know, top end filler. And it has like you could sign me up for a green deck with like four pack mates and six ravenous Lindworms and I'm in, baby. <laughs> wow. OK. All right. Well, we'll see. Maybe in a couple weeks when when things even out, I can get into a deck like that. I mean, I don't think it comes together often, but like, I think you want as many Lindworms as you can get, I guess is the point I'm making. I think it's a great card in the format. I agree. I don't dislike Lindworm. And I'm not saying that like taking rootless, but like sometimes you just don't even see the Lindworm, right? It's the middle of pack two. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It's a problem. That's what I'm trying to bolster your point here. I'm on team Ethan. All right. Sweet. Oof, for once. Um, <laughs> I think also taking snow payoffs over a snow land when you already have a few snow payoffs, especially if you're in that snow package life that blue provides, like you might be in a spot where you can't take Icebind Pillar over a snow land because you have three Bergstriders already. And you need to make sure your Bergstriders are keeping stuff tapped more than you need to take Pillar and then don't get the Snowlands, and then all of a sudden, all of those cards are worse. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. Just having discipline to know what you need for your deck. And it's tempting, like Icebind Pillar is a great card, right? We're trained as limited players to take the powerful cards. That's a powerful card. But realizing that you've got to, with Snow, have the whole package come together and what pieces do you need to make that package come together? Uh, A a few more things to think about. I think in a deck that wants disposable bodies, like if you've got Trickster God's Heist or Carter's Vicious Return, taking more things that want those bodies versus stuff like Elder Fang Disciple that is good with those cards, that can get you into trouble. Like it's just more about like, 
I get that you think you've got this game plan and so you want the payoffs for that game plan, but at a certain point, you just need to make that game plan work with its enablers. It's like taking powerful cards when you don't have fixing and you've already got powerful cards. And it's like, well, just take the fixing so you can cast the stuff you already have rather than being like, well, I'm going to want fixing because I've got powerful stuff, so I'll keep taking powerful stuff. You're going to get into bad spots. That's how you train wreck in this format. Right. It's like the five or six drop problem, right? If you start your draft with two five drops, then you're forced into taking two drops, which is okay. But that that problem, I think, is generally understood by limited players at this point, right? Like limited resources has hammered that point home, I think, in everyone's DNA if you've followed that show and grown up with that show over the years. Mm-hmm. But that problem presents itself in multiple ways in this format, right? There is, like, you have to worry about your curve, right? A lot of the best cards in the format are four, five, six CMC. There's also, you have snow payoffs, so you have to have X amount of snow lands. There's also stuff like what you're talking about, you know, Carter's Vicious Return or Trickster God's Heist, where you need these disposable bodies or your giants. So you want your cheap giants, but you also want your squashes. Like there's a lot of the power level in cards in this format relies on the pieces around them coming together. And I think that's a tricky balancing act to walk. Yeah, I I totally agree. So I I think it's a lot about investing in the things you have. Like if you have a solid game plan early, then trying to just like bolster that and support that is going to lead you to functional good decks more than just like making that greedy pick. And it depends where that greedy pick is or where that decision point is. Like I'm much more likely to speculate on maybe one more powerful card at the beginning of pack two than at the beginning of pack three like i if, if i take something on at the beginning of pack three that is going to say like look you have the next seven picks to support this thing i am much less likely to do that yes i agree i think of another big thing that causes not train wrecking in this format or helps not train wreck is having an understanding of the decks in the format that are easier to off ramp into slash end the draft with in a functional way yeah so i think there's a lot of them. And I think they are the less desirable decks. They're sort of what we had classified as some of the tier two archetypes, but they're rapidly becoming tier one as snow is becoming the world's biggest free for all. So I think things like red, white, we laid out last week. I feel if I started a draft red, white or forced red, white, I think 95% of the time you come out with a functional deck. I first picked Cole twice this week without blinking an eye. I was just like, I'm going to get a good deck. And I have like one of the most important pieces for that deck to start off with. Yeah, I think green white is another great one. And this speaks largely to the depth of white, I think. And red, red, green as well. All three of those colors, the Naya color pairs, you know, we sort of talked about M21 as the Naya colors format. Those colors are really deep in this format and really consistent. And the the commons in those colors support each other in that they want you to be aggressive. They want you to play equipment. They want you to beat down. So they're great places to off ramp into because there's so much redundancy at common for the game plans that they want you to play. Right. I feel so much better about like speculating on red, white or green cards. I I would say still green a little less so because of how wrapped up in snow I think part of it is um, than I do about blue or black. I mean like blue and black I think are shallow and I think blue is wrapped up in snow as well in a lot of uh, its good cards that it makes me a little nervous. I think the exception being blue red because I think blue red giants there's a it just exists at common like you've got mistwalkers beholds and bergstriders and squash and demon bolt and all of red's good creatures and that's where craven hulk is at its best like blue red really gets there there's a lot of different versions of blue red but i also you know past snow i feel like blue red is the next most contested thing going on because lr is really hyped up how good berg strider is Mm -hmm. it's it's tough to get a good blue red deck and i think you really want agar 
for that deck to hum. I'm not very excited about a blue red deck these days if I don't have an agar. I agree completely. And then the last one, you know, we've talked about this briefly, but the red green beats deck is also super real as far as an off ramp. You know, you're starting out snow, maybe you've got a Cerulef's pack mate, and you see, you know, Arnie slays the troll, pack one, pick seven. Like that's not out of the realm of possibility and moving off of snow into a red green beatdown deck because maybe you wheel a Craven Hulk and maybe you wheel a Tuscary Firewalker. And I think that deck just really relies on you need cards that fight well and you need Arnie Slays the Troll and you need Struggle for Skemfars. And then boom, you've got yourself an off ramp from snow. Yeah. And the last deck here, I think it's certainly below those four, but I have liked red black. I think this is to an extent. There's a lot of synergy that common, you know, there's like fearless pup plus, plus Yarl. I think red black can play a boast aggressive ish game or maybe an aggressive game in a berserker sense or a I'm like finding ways to pump my demon berserker sense like a lot of blacks cards wear equipment well which is something that Red is interested in. It also can play a control game with a lot of removal and like, you know, rummaging or card advantage or seize the spoils, Immersturm Raider, you know, raise the Draugr effects. There's a lot of stuff that Red Black has going on, but it's not my favorite of these off ramps. Yeah, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about Snow. You should know that Snow is the best deck when it comes together. I feel pretty firmly right now that we know we're recording this on March 4th, that Snow is not the best deck because of how contested it is and how tricky it is to navigate right now. You're still going to get it sometimes, but you want to know that it's open, I think, before you're doing it. Yeah, I, I like I said, I just want to be like hit over the head multiple times with like, okay, this, okay, that. Oh, wow, that wheeled. Okay, I'll move in. Um, otherwise, I just, I'm too nervous. It just feels like there's too many unknowns about how people are approaching this deck or willing to draft Snowlands, etc. to make this deck function. And we're talking about, I think, blue, green, black, green, and red, green in terms of snow-based decks. And I think, you know, snow's the best deck, but the gap between a good snow deck and a good red-white deck is not that large. And when you you factor in how much safer it is to draft something like red white it's not particularly close for me at this point right now yeah and i, I just want to step back and say like this is very cool <laughs> as a content creator as someone who loves drafting every single day this huge metagame shift from what we were experiencing a few weeks ago and i was enjoying that too like drafting multicolor snow piles and figuring out how to do that was super fun and now noticing how it's dried up I think is also interesting to then figure out, all right, well, what does the rest of the format have to offer me now? Yeah, this has been what I pictured the format as in my head from the get-go. I'm excited that we got to this point in the format. Some other decks that I think are undervalued or underexplored, Green Black Elves is very good. I think Jasper Sentinel stock is on the rise. <laughs> I'm not quite as high as Halix is on it, but I think, you know, my hot take that it is a good elf with stats and types early on in the format is kind of panning out, right? Elves really wants that to have an explosive start, flood the board, and that deck has legs and is frequently underdrafted. If you're the only elves drafter at the table, you're going to end up with a good deck. Yeah, I haven't drafted this deck very much, but I, I sort of have a sense about it. And tell me if you think this is right or wrong, but I think... The deck, in my mind, is kind of hard to come together based on the fact that one black is shallow and two green is overdrafted. But I think if you see those late Skemfar Shadow Sages, the two fives that can drain for the like most types you have, and I, I forget the name, but the, the Ray is dead or the Zombify effect that if it's an elf makes two one ones, you can see those late. I mean, obviously, if you see like the rares, like the green two two or Herald Unites the Elves, those may be incentives as well. But I think at, at non-rare, those are the two cards you really want to look out for. And I think those are sort of off-rampish cards. Like if you find yourself in black or in green and green maybe isn't snow and then pick seven, you're seeing one of those. I think that's a, a way to get into that deck. 
Yes, I think the Green Black Rare Saga Herald Unites the Elves is way underdrafted, and I'm I'm in on elves. <laughs> and if I get past that card at this point, like pack one, pick five, let's do it. Yeah, and then to, to round things out, I think blue black, blue white, and and black white are the decks you should end up in the least. You don't want to off ramp into these archetypes. These like like snow at this point. I think these are decks that should be smacking you in the face as being open, like late signpost on commons or just like late packs full of cards of a single color while you're in the opposite color. But these are not decks you should be finding yourself in very often. Yeah, I think that's true. All right. So Ben, before the show, we were going over these notes and I had this point here that I think I think we've sort of already spoiled that we're not quite on board with anymore, that if snowlands are available, you can set yourself up for pack two and three by having a good snow base for payoffs. But that that's not happening. It's just a little bit out of date, right? It's a week old, I think, yeah. on the points, you know, timeliness, as it were. And I think it is still true, right? And I think if packs are weak, you should still be taking a snow land out of the pack. But my bar for what a weak pack is, is different than it was at the start of the format. I think there's a lot of cards that I understand better now where they go and what archetypes they push me towards. For example, something like Valkyrie Sword, I think... You know, I would have taken a Snowland over that early in the format, and there's no way in heck I'm doing that these days because I think I understand how much more powerful Valkyrie Sword is, how good it is in white decks, even if you aren't, you know, using the living weapon part of it. And I think it pushes you towards a more successful archetype that's going to come together more frequently than Snow. So that those the tension there is still there, but I think, you know, if you've got a totally blank pack, you should take the Snowland because it's free upside, right? You don't know when you're going to get Bergstriders or when you're going to get past an Avalanche Caller that you can splash. It is still good to pick up Snowlands, but I think I'm just doing it with a little more uh, reserve than I was before. Right. You want to be cautious about, I, I still think it's important to leave yourself open to, hey, if snow is open, I want to make sure that I, I've given myself an opportunity to get into that deck. And one of the ways you do that is out of a weak pack, take a good snow land. But you just, I think I'm, I'm now, and it sounds like you are too, just being a little bit more cautious of, okay, I'm seeing maybe some snow lands, but is this really better than taking some good aggressive red or white cards? Right. There was a point in the format where a lot of my drafts started with like Sorov's Packmate into some other green card, into Glittering Frost and five snow lands. And that felt like a great place to be at the end of pack one. I no longer want to be in that spot at the end of pack one. I want to, if I'm drafting snow, already have my avalanche caller, already have my blessing of frost, already have gotten past a couple Berg Striders, and I want to feel confident that it's open. I don't want to trust that I'm going to get hooked up with the good snow cards. There's other things that can happen here in, in these drafts, and I think you've got a really good uh, pack one pick two for us to look at here, that the snow lands, if they're of a certain color lining up with a potentially powerful first pick can sort of bait you into going down a snow route when that's not actually what you should be doing, right? You can go like, oh, well, there's not really anything super powerful. So I know that two weeks ago I was taking the snow land. So I'm going to do that now. And that can lead you down this snow land, snow land. Oops, snow is cut. Now what the heck do I do? I've train wrecked. Yes. So in this example, we've got pack one, pick one, Bergy God of Storytelling, which is the horn on the flip side where you can pitch a card and then play two cards from exile that turn. Mm -hmm. Card's super powerful. 
and pack one, pick two, you see the following cards as options. There's a Volatile Fjord, which is the blue-red Snowland. There's Ice Hide Troll as the best green common. White commons, there's a Bound in Gold and a Beskier Shield Mate. And then moving on to the uncommons, there's a Rune of Mortality, the Black Rune, Carter's Vicious Return, the Red-Black Saga, and a Hailstorm Valkyrie, which is not in contention at all. Right, so like I think there's a number of different things you can do here. You can take the Snowland because it's on color. And, and that's that's great. And, you know, we know that if you end up in blue red, you're going to have some blue stuff that cares about snow. You want to play Bergy if possible. You could splash it in a blue green snow deck, whatever. You could also just like super duper stay on color with Axe Guard Cavalry. You could be spicy and take Cardor's Vicious Return. You could just take Bound in Gold as a good removal spell. And as Ben said, when we we're looking at this and then feel a little bad about cheating on Besker Shieldmate, which might even just be better. But like, it's so much different if this is a black green snowland, right? Or a blue black snowland. Right, you're never taking it there. But you get kind of baited a little bit by being like, well, this is an on-color snowland for all the reasons I said. And then that leads you towards hedging on snow a little bit when I'm not saying that's not a good idea, but I have gone back to a lot of draft logs and noticed this kind of like, I start with a Seraph's Packmate and then I see a green black snow duel and then I start taking snow stuff when it's like, this isn't actually open and I'm just sort of being like baited into taking it because the colors line up with the powerful stuff I've taken early. Yeah. And I think that's reasonable. Like my thought process here taking Volatile Fjord was Bergy's great. Blue Red's great. I'd like to have a Blue Red Snowland for future Berg Striders. Like it all checks all the boxes, but I think it is, while it's higher upside, it's also, I think, a more dangerous route to take than just slamming bound in gold and looking to draft red white. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. I, I also, like I said, I think taking just X Guard Cavalry here second is totally defensible to stay red. That feels a little conservative to me. I am nothing if not conservative, Ben. That is what I'm known for as a limited drafter. <laughs> <laughs> Strict to colors. That's all I do. Okay. So we've talked a lot about like trying to figure out, okay, is snow cut or not? If you're starting down that snow path, how do you know when to off ramp or when to sort of deviate or jump ship? How do you know when snow is cut? It's so hard to like put into words. I think at this point, if pick three, pick four, you see multiple packs with snow lands missing. I am just not drafting snow. I don't want to fight over it with people. Whereas before, you know, I'd be like, eh, I'll pick up the snow lands in pack two. It'll be fine. There's just too many people going after it right now. So to me, personally, I take that as a signal as snow's a no-go for me this draft. Yeah. I've also started to just lump in green with that. And maybe that's unfair given that like, you know, green-white is good, red-green aggro is good, green-black elves is good. Like there are viable green decks out there, but it is sort of like severing or maybe there's like a, a decision tree of like, if I am green snow, then these are my top commons. And if I am not, then these are my top commons. But just being aware of that. And I think there is like, I think those non-snow green commons are worse than the green snow commons like Frost and Sculptor and Troll. That like, I do think there is some some tension there. I want to I throw this, this little... Uh, draft log your way I, this this i added today this came up for me today so okay pack one pick one binding the old gods great happy about it thrilled to abandon green at some point in a few picks um <laughs> that's how i feel yeah with pack one pick one binding the old god i'd have been thrilled with that two weeks ago now i'm like uh-oh danger warning yeah i'm like i have to uh, how many Saros pack mates have i pack one picked one in the past week that just end up in my sideboard like so so many yeah the word's out i mean people know yeah so pack one pick two um, I think you're really picking between two cards here to follow up binding. There's Poison the Cup at Uncommon, and then the rare Varagoth Blood Sky Sire, the two in a black, two, three death touch, boast one in a black. 
It's basically a vampiric tutor, target player, searches their library for a card and then puts it on top. I was so disappointed. <laughs> I thought this was demonic tutor the first time I did it. Yes. I was outraged that it went on top of my library. That would be insane. I mean, it's on brand for me to not read rears. So. <laughs> I personally, because of how outraged I was when I didn't get a demonic tutor, I would be on Poison the Cup here over Varagoth. Yeah, I, I, there was, they're very close. I almost thought that I was making the wrong decision here when I took Varagoth, but I, I don't even know. But So I, I took Varagoth over Poison the Cup. And then pack one pick three. It's it's awkward. Again, I'm not thrilled about this. So there's there's a snow forest in the pack. We're probably not taking that. Two black cards in the pack I want to talk about. Turgrid Shadow. Each player sacks two creatures. Why is this card bad? Because you can see it coming. I think people are better magic players now than they were, I don't know, five years ago. I think more people are playing around this card. And I think there are enough ways to get creatures on the board like there's a very small window where it's busted right yes and a very small amount of decks that it's busted against right yes yeah there's like this small window and this like weird matchup thing about it i don't know i still took it here because like the other option was rise of the dreadmar and the rare that like makes zombies when creatures die that card's not good right i don't love it no yeah so not a lot of options here but like i didn't want to take Ice hide troll and then or snow forest and bait myself into green, but maybe I should have. So there's a card you haven't mentioned here that I'm kind of eyeing. I really like squash here. Okay, that's interesting to me. So are you taking squash here thinking I could play it in a jund life? I can play it in red black. Are you thinking like I could go red blue with this? I am taking squash here because I'm very nervous about the start that I have. <laughs> and it feels like Turgrid Shadow is tripling down on what I'm already nervous about. So if green flows, your deck's going to be great, and you may not even end up like really caring about Turgrid Shadow in your deck. Yeah. And I think Squash is far and away the best card in this pack. I'm happy to play it in a base green deck with Changelings if I if that comes. If not, you know, it gives me off ramps into blue red giants and or, you know, some red decks, you know, if you get the Craven Hulks, whatever, or happy playing a squash as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I didn't even think about squash in this pack. I was just so like, uh, let me get deeper into black and still take this card. I think this is actually the day. We're going to mark it down in the calendar, March 4th. This is the day I am finally, my heart and my mind are agreeing that Turgrid Shadow is not a good magic card. (laughs) (laughs) I just like still could do it i was like i hate this card and i'm still gonna take it right now but that's funny yeah squash i think is totally right okay so still just like getting deeper into black that's what i do again in in pick four there's not a lot of great options i took a coma's faithful the three one lifelinker any thoughts about what's better here uh slumber mound is better and then there's like a snow forest chilling early in the format you know you would have happily snapped up snow forest oh yeah happily yeah you can just sort of see my like hesitation to drafting green but i like coma's faithful here gives us a good in an elf's deck gives you that off ramp you're set up to do that as well Mm -hmm. and then the the key pick here i think is pack one pick five where there's no good black cards is wither crown there's masked vandal which is very good as a green card and then there's frenzied raider which isn't very good. This is the one in red 2-2. Whenever you boast, you put a plus and plus one counter on it. Though we do already have a boaster in Varagoth. And, and not that I think that this is like an insanely good pick or whatever, but I think a lot of people just snap up Masked Vandal here, and I think that's a mistake. I think I would snap up Masked Vandal here. It's really close. I think it's different if you've like taken a snow forest or something or hedged a little bit with a squash like your route. I like it a little better. I'm just so, so nervous about taking Vandal here. And then this is like this chain reaction of, well, now I have three black cards, a green card and a black green gold card. And I'm going to just start being black green for not 
very good reasons. I agree. It's a tough spot to be in. I like it better if I've got squash because that's one of the reasons yeah. I like squash is you can play it with the green changelings and then you've got the mass vandal locked up. Mm -hmm. Here, I don't hate Frenzied Raider. You've got the Varagoth to go along with it with the Boaster. It's not a great card, but you're not giving up much. If green's open, you will miss the Mast Vandal, yes. but it's also not super likely that green is open at this point because it's so deep and we haven't seen good green cards. And it's so much more likely that I'm going to end up in red than green, I feel like. Yeah, I think that all makes sense to me. Yeah. So I, I threw that as a sort of curveball there. I know there are some picks there. The squash pick, I think, is really, really smart. So back to avoiding the, the snow trap or how to identify if snow feels cut. What's next here? I mean, I think we laid this out pretty well last week, but looking for red and white aggro escape routes. So if you start down snow and you're feeling cut, it is very safe to take a bet on red and white, especially, you know, the things that I'm trying to track as packs are going by these days. You know, I talked about listening to my gut and just trying to put that into words a little bit more. I'm clocking if snow lands are gone. Mm -hmm. If snow lands are gone, I'm crossing off snow in my mind. I'm And maybe I've started down that route and I need an escape route. Maybe I didn't even start down that route. But just mentally checking, I'm trying to decide, during the first eight picks of the draft, do I think snow is open? And then the other thing I'm watching those first eight packs is how many red and white aggro cards I see going by and what I think the likelihood of me wheeling them is. And if it's a high likelihood of me wheeling red and white aggro cards, I'm fine jumping ship without having started red white aggro into red white aggro if i expect to wheel red white cards yeah absolutely like i said like after we recorded last week i did not i had not drafted base white very often if if ever certainly hadn't drafted red white aggro that much i'd done my like cold control stuff but now i just love it i feel really free and i like recognizing how deep those white commons are when you're thinking about them in an aggressive shell makes me feel a lot cozier taking those like speculative besker shield mates pick six or whatever yeah and you've got here in the show notes taking pivot cards which are cards that would lead you maybe towards a good green snow deck if that comes together while also just going well on an aggro deck and some of the pivot cards are just like really highly desirable cards right so rules pack mate is insane yeah for sure right so we're obviously like the top cards like pack made or Mistwalker or behold the multiverse or demon bolt like those cards are just good cards but then we're also talking about cards that toe the line between multiple archetypes or game plans so that's where white doesn't quite fit in right a lot of white's cards want to do one thing and so white isn't good for pivot cards it's good for off-ramp cards which i think is an important distinction So, like you know cards that are purely good in aggro don't belong here red this is why red is so so good and i think the best color in the format it just provides these cards in droves all of red's commons some of them are like hyper aggro ish like helm or pup but even pup can go in some some more mid-rangey decks you know but like you know craven hulk and to firewalker and dwarven reinforcements the cards that i feel like i'm mentioning each and every week on the show are the cards that are so good so white doesn't do it so much black doesn't do it so much because it doesn't play aggro very well and it's not super deep and blue relies a little heavily on snow in my mind to, to really fall here, but red is really, really good. And I just think identifying the cards in the colors that do play well, like, you know, I don't know, maybe Yarl of the Forsaken in black, like that's pretty good in, in aggro and also probably fine in control if you feel like you're going to like block with your disciple and then finish something off or whatever. Something like Horizon Seeker too from green. Yeah. Like you're fine playing that in multicolor. It's going to be good in your snow deck. Search up some snow basics. It's also really good in a red green beatdown deck or a green white beatdown deck. It's a three mana three two with upside. And I think, you know, what you talked about with stuff like Tuscary Firewalker is also super, super, super true. I think red has the most of them, but green's got them as well. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think you also want to take cards that 
don't require that idea we talked about earlier of cards that require you to then make different picks down the road cards that don't do that cards that are going to just like uh improve or make future picks better for you those are the things you want to take as pivot cards so that means no snow related stuff that's one of the reasons that snow is so dicey these days cards like changelings changelings are just so good in that respect because they have this effect of like ooh, there's this this like tiny little synergy here tiny little synergy there you know yeah absolutely all right so we've talked a lot about generalities we're going to dive into a few more draft logs here and just kind of go through the process with you i think that's the best way to do it to tell you our thought process again just modeling thinking for you it's one of the best ways to teach is you know thinking about how you're supposed to be thinking so pack one pick one we have tundra fumarol which means this was a pretty weak pack right <laughs> yeah. Tundra Fumarol is worse than Demon Bolt, so not great options. Um, that's the one red, red, snow sorcery, deal for creature, planeswalker, and you get colorless mana back uh, for the amount of snow you spent to cast Tundra Fumarol. Can we talk about so, something that came up today with this yeah. card? My opponent cast this with three snow mana, with then two lands available that were not snow, and then cast Bergstrider, and that still kept my thing tapped because this thing, that's colorless snow mana that this creates. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know that. <laughs> Oh, I, yeah, I knew that. Wow. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, <laughs> sick brags. Sick brags. <laughs> All right, so moving on to pack one, pick two with a Tundra Fumarole in your pile. There's a lot of options here. So Snow-Covered Mountains, your snow land in the pack. There's Story Seeker as a white aggressive common. There's Goldbane Pick as a strong piece of equipment. There's Glittering Frost as multicolored fixing if you wanted to go towards that snow life. And then a lot of powerful uncommons as well. There's Litjara Mirror Lake, which you know is the blue-green uncommon snow land that can copy a creature. Valkyrie Sword, the white living weapon equipment. There's Litjara Glade Warden, the 3-3 hill giant with Changeling, and you can pay two in a green remove a creature from your graveyard and put two plus muscle encounters on a creature at sorcery speed. And then your rare want wah ascendant spirit cards just not good. I mean, if you're in heavy snow, I think it's good. I've played this. I've gotten it up to its third chapter in limited before. It's just like, that's so hard. That is the, I got this late in pack two. Once I was already in snow, you're not pack one pick twoing it. Right. Absolutely. It's really interesting looking at this pack in the lens of how I'm looking at the format now, because I think I would take Valkyrie sword. I would also take Valkyrie sword right now. So in the moment, this draft log is, I don't know, probably a week and a half old, something like that. I took Glittering Frost because I just hadn't moved on from the fact that snow wasn't going to come together, right? And so my my baseline was, well, if there's nothing pushing me in a direction, I should try to end up snow. And I feel like so much that the opposite is true now, where if nothing is pushing me in a direction, I need to find a direction that isn't snow. Yeah, for sure. Right. You got to sort of take hold of this draft. It's sort of what we were talking about last week, and I feel like is what this format is dictating a little bit or allows you to do because of the flat level of all the commons is just like you kind of want to have agency a bit over what the draft is is doing to you you know yeah absolutely and i think valkyrie sword sets you up to be white aggro which is great it combines well with tundra fumarol and i think taking glittering frost here seems good right it seems like that's a pick that leaves you open right it's going to let you play a lot of colors but it doesn't really leave that open right because it's going to want you to pick like probably two-ish more cards like Glittering Frost, whether they're a path or another frost or a replicating ring or whatever. It wants you to pick a lot of snow lands and it also wants you to hope to get good snow cards, right? It's actually a really restricting card while seeming like it's leaving you very open. Yeah, 
for sure. All right, I want to take a look at starting off strong snow, you know, saying like it's going to take something like blood on the snow to make me want to hold on to, to that for dear life. So we got that here, pack one, pick one. Pack one, pick two, snow planes in the pack, aka snow wastes. Uh, staying black, there's an Elder Fang Disciple or Death Knell Berserker. There's Berg Strider as another snow card. And then an uncommon, we've got Valkyrie Sword, but we've also got Replicating Ring. Yeah. So I think this is interesting to look at. I'm curious if you would make the same pick because I can see what you took here. You landed on Replicating Ring. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm going to float out of this pack right now. That's How crazy do you think it is to just take Valkyrie Sword here? I think that's crazy in my mind. And maybe this is a byproduct of playing so much sealed. You know, I did like 30 sealed events in this format and blood on the snow, I think is just absolutely insane there. I think it's also pretty darn insane in draft. I think the sweepers are good and ring contributes snow mana to blood on the snow, right? It doesn't have to just be snow lands. You can it just snow sources to cast it. So I would still try and hold on to the, the blood on the snow here. Pick two. That makes sense to me. I'm just nervous about it. Oh, Oh, I'm very nervous. And I, I think our listeners probably know by now if we're putting this draft at the end of our how to not train wreck episode that probably things aren't going to go well. So pack one, pick three, snow forest still in the pack. Feed the serpent as probably your best black option here. Seraph's pack mate still here. And we know we're taking that over any common. So there's also a blizzard brawl as a fight spell at uncommon and usher of the fallen, aka worse than battlefield raptor. Yeah, I think. I mean, Stroll's pack mate is nuts. And seeing it third feels like a pretty big signal. I mean, a rare and an uncommon is missing, so it's not crazy for it to still be here. Right. But I think you're taking pack mate and you're hoping that green is open. Right. So this feels just like, okay, maybe, maybe I've I've got into a pod where I'm gonna get to take blood on the snow first and and get into this deck. Pack on pick four. I have some bad news for you, Ben. The snowland is missing. <laughs> yeah, that hurts. So the snowland is missing. And there aren't good black or green cards. Like the best black card is Priest of the Haunted Edge. But that's reliant on you having snowlands. Like the replicating ring doesn't even help that out. Um, there's a Notvold Recluse is the only green card. In terms of like aggro off ramps, there aren't even good options there. Like Master Scald, Run Amok, Axe Guard Armory at Uncommon is the red white spell land. But is that really what I, am I going to take that first here as my like? Oops, maybe I have to off ramp to red white. Maybe I should have. No, I don't think so. But I, you selected priest here. I like not bold recluse much better than priest for a couple of reasons. I th like you want to hold on to blood on the snow, yes, but you haven't seen good black yet. And taking priest here as your second black card with no snow land in the pack feels very dicey to me. Mm -hmm. So I like not bold recluse because it will still play well in a green black snow deck. Plays defense great. But if you get pushed off, it also goes great in green-white beatdown, green-red beatdown. Like a four-powered three-drop is big game. So I think it is one of those pivot cards, I think. Plays offense well in a beatdown deck and plays defense well in the snow decks. That's really smart. Yeah, my feeling was like, ah, I'm going to hold on. If I'm holding on to Blood on the Snow, then I want to take Priest and just, you know, maybe it was still the mentality of even if the lands are cut from the right, I'll get them from the left sort of thing. Um, but you're super right about recluse being a pivot card like it feels sort of replaceable in both versions like green controller green aggro but the fact that it goes in both makes it pretty powerful here pack one pick four yeah that's my thought process yeah that's smart and then pack one pick five snowland still missing no good black cards there's a guardian glade walker the two mana one one changeling that puts a counter on something there's a lot of white cards here ben story seeker code spell cleric bound in gold even batter shield warrior uncommon which i don't particularly care for and as you were talking about if we had taken recluse 
There's the Fall of the Imposter, the Green-White Uncommon Saga. Yeah, that's what you've got highlighted here as your pick. And I think that's certainly the most powerful card and a very high upside pick. How do you feel about taking Bound in Gold to give yourself more flexibility down the road? I think that is a reasonable pick. And and I don't particularly like you know the idea of, uh, well, maybe if you end up in black green still, you can splash the fall. I think fall is a pretty bad splash just because it's like, you know, you're splashing it as a removal spell and then it's not killing the thing you want it to kill until two turns later. Um, but I just felt nervous enough at this point that I was like, I'm going to take the thing I think is the most powerful off ramp. But maybe what you're saying is like, yeah, maybe you have to abandon both black and green altogether. Maybe, and I think Bound and Gold might just be a better removal spell than Fall, right? Fall is excellent in green-white beatdown, and that's the only place it's excellent. If you're using it as a removal spell, I think Bound and Gold is a better removal spell. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I was thinking, I I mean, I think there's a a thing to be said about, I'd like to at least try and hold on to something here. No, I agree. But there's nothing that prevents you from still playing green-white after that if you take Bound, you know, if green and white are flowing. So I think Bound is a slightly more flexible pick. Yeah. No, that makes total sense to me. I like that. I mean, I did end up off-ramping to, I believe, oh, green-red here. Green-red with a bunch of sagas and master scalds. Um, But like, not snow. Not snow at all. Like, my my fixing is that ring and two horizon seekers and sad blood on the snow sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, that's a sweet draft. And there are so many stories like that. And I'm sure our listeners right now are nodding their heads. Yep, gotten crushed that way. Yep, I understand putting Pac-Mate in my sideboard. And it's important. Hopefully, we've given you some things to think about this episode, you know, just as far as what to try to track as it's going around and just really, truly thinking about what you're actually doing to stay open. And I think at this point, thinking about, well, multicolored snow is very open. You know, I can play lots of colors. It's hard to get cut out of that. I think that mentality is some false logic with the way the format is currently setting. I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit in terms of speculating for weeks to come. Do you think that there will be another shift in a few weeks? Or do you think this is sort of where things are going to settle before we we get to Strixhaven? I imagine people will get tired of train wrecking in snow and it will become <laughs> slightly more available, right? It's kind of the route that cycling took through the format, right? Yeah. Cycling was busted for the first three weeks and then you couldn't get a cycling deck to save your life. And then, you know, every once in a while, six weeks deep in the format, like you just randomly got the nuts cycling deck. And I think that's probably what's going to happen with snow. So I do think it's going to open up a little bit more, but I think the days of, you know, assuming you're going to end up snow are done, at least for me. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Mostly because it's a byproduct of a couple things. Sort of what we've talked about already, but just to kind of sum it up here, it's a byproduct of Snow's the best deck, but not the best deck by so much for the amount of risk that you have to assume during the draft portion. I think that's the the sticking point for me, is that I feel like I understand the other archetypes well enough at this point, you know, namely red, white, blue, red, black, green, elves, some of these off ramps that we've talked about. They're good, viable archetypes that just come together so much more consistently and are so much more draftable without the risk that you have to assume while you're drafting snow. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it feels like cycling in that way in that it's also hard to read the signals for it. Like, you know, getting late one mana cyclers, did that mean that cycling was open or did that mean that people just didn't know how good one mana cyclers were? That feels the same with snow payoffs slash snow lands. Like reading that terrain is too difficult at this point. And I just don't want to like 
have that headache every draft. Yeah. Well, and one of the hard things, though, is that like there were great off ramps from the cycling deck, right? In right. red. Yeah. Like, Mar- like just being the fact that Mardu sat alongside the two cycling colors <laughs> yeah. just made it so much easier to off ramp an Ikoria. And I don't think the easy off ramps are there for the snow decks in Kaldheim. Because the, well, the snow packages, they exist a little bit with blue. You can't really have a green snow package deck, right? It's like Boreal Outrider in your green white deck, maybe, when you get snow planes late. But it's it's not like, oh, well, I ended up with a glittering frost and maybe this ice side troll works. It's just like, no, your ice side troll is bad. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. So giving you a lot to chew on. And I think, you know, it's helpful talking through this you know, with you for me as well. Yeah, for sure. No, I, like I said, I mean, I, uh, I'll say again, diving into Boros last week, it really gave me a new lease on life in this format. Sweet. All right. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you as always to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to channelfireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you were heading over to CFB, if you want to vote with your dollars, as Ben said at the beginning of the episode, uh, please head over there. Uh, sign up for CFB Pro if you're looking for some more limited content on the pro side. And when you do use code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there, you can come check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week, though it's really like a week and a half, Ben. Enjoy your weekend off. Catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. So, Ben, are you ready to take a seat? I was not. I was taking a drink of water. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Absolutely. Let's do it. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.